<laughs> Welcome to Burning Heaven. I'm your host, Hannah Burner, and welcome to hell. We have a hot one today. I'm here with Kate Mannion, former Marine and host of High Hater Show on SiriusXM, Zero Blog 30 military podcast, and she's like a Barstool girl. Yeah. I was a Betches girl, so we're like kind of, you know, in similar... Intertwined there a little bit, yeah. Intertwined. But you have had quite the life. Oh my lord. Yeah. My dad calls me his little Forrest Gump sometimes. He's like, oh, I'm a little Forrest I'm like, Dad, I'm 32 years old. I don't know how to adult yet. But yeah, no, because I, I have had kind of a wacky path through life. So And those kind of things fascinate me because <laughs> when people have wacky paths, it means that they ran into hell a couple times. Yes. Because sometimes you have to go to hell to get back out. Yes, this so is that, true. So that, that didn't make sense. But I discovered Kate. <laughs> I talk like I discovered Go you. Go on. I discovered you. <laughs> I was with Everett Weston from Summerhouse because he's friends with the Summerhouse crew. That yep. Everett told us to go to this Heal Our Heroes Gala, which is like mental health awareness and suicide prevention for our troops. Yep. And I never talk about military, military no, stuff, no, so I'm like, the oh, terminology. God. Oh, God. And people get so triggered. They're like, she said troops in the wrong context. Like, no, you're fine. It's like once I called my old gym teacher my gym teacher, and she's like, it's a physical education oh, teacher. God. And I was like, bitch. You're a gym teacher. Calm it down. <laughs> so sh- you gave a speech in front of like at least 100 drunk adults. <laughs> yes. Which is really difficult. And you had us laughing and crying and like everyone was moved from your speech and i was like for not only do you have a way with words but your story was so cool and just looking at you no one would assume that like you've been through it like you're not like tatted up or like i don't know one tramp stamp one tra- well, you know everyone has <laughs> to given. have go through that stage <laughs> yeah <laughs> some people did belly button rings some people did tramp stamps mm-hmm. um I dyed my hair platinum blonde. Don't look at my Instagram. It happened. (laughs) And I'd like to just get the audience kind of acquainted with you from the beginning. Sure. You were a normal girl living in Philadelphia. Living in the burbs. The Philadelphia suburbs near Westchester. I always tell people, you know, where the jackass guys come from. I grew up pretty near there. Awesome. So pretty vanilla, like nothing that interesting. My dad is one of 13 kids, so family Mm. was always like super huge thing, but they're scattered all over now. So you're one of those that's like my cousin, my cousin, my cousin. You're like, how many cousins can a person have? I think I have like 42 first cousins on one side alone. So yeah, it's a lot. But they're like, uh, that grew up, those are my besties going into Delco outside Philly, you know, have a smoke and a coke, go get a hoogie, watch the birds, man. All that kind of (laughs) stuff. Is that Wawa Land? Oh, Wawa Land, for sure. I don't understand the fascination of Wawa, (laughs) but I... I'm a proponent for good sandwiches. Uh, it's an obsession. Hoagies. Yeah, let's go get a hoagie, man. Go wash the burgers for the hoagie. So, yeah. That's like the <laughs> it's funny because I'm from Brooklyn, so I know the Brooklyn accent. So when I hear, like, the Philly accent, I'm like, what the hell is happening? <laughs> what monstrosity is that coming out? Yeah. <laughs> I have some of, some of my aunts and uncles have it worse than others. But, yeah, so grew up out there. September- did you ever have an urge, though, for, like, did you feel like you were a basic person? Did you feel like you were vanilla, even though you're growing up in a vanilla place? I always felt impatient to like, come on, let's, what's next? What's next? Like, I couldn't wait. Like, I knew state school was the only option once it was time to graduate. But mm-hmm. I was like, well, I'm going to go to the farthest one. So I went like, oh, all so you're a little rebellious. Went to the other side of Pennsylvania, like a wild woman. Okay. And <laughs> went there to play field hockey, discovered rugby and the rugby parties, dropped field hockey, became like Tommy Boy 
was my idol. I was like, that's what I want to be. I want to just gain a ton of weight and chug beers all day. And so I lived rugby in the rugby players house. know how to party. Oh my God. Yeah. I just went, we're like a lot of us, like half of them are married with kids. Now we just had a reunion and it was just like a weekend in the Poconos with the girls. Someone got their tooth knocked out. There's like cigarette burn. Yeah. Legends. It never ends. Legends. So I did that. My GPA dropped down to a 1.8 and <laughs> I hit my senior year and I was like, what am I doing? Did you have any like passion in terms of what you're studying? I, I heard you were also a fellow communications major. What? We don't like to brag. <laughs> we, don't but... like to brag. we don't want to brag or make yeah. anyone feel insecure, but it's uh it's definitely i'd say the harvard of majors it's yeah. pretty pretty my big brother deal. would be such a dick he's like you study communications i'm like bitch what do you think i'm using right now what do you think i'm using <laughs> yeah it would have been not smart of me to study something else how are we talking right we're now? communicating it's true i always say we're like the gym teachers of the business world like you got that ed degree but you didn't have to do the math part really so you're like you got that business you're like in the business world anyway so i had a 1.8 and the idea of the military it's like sounds so cliche but i think i was in 10th grade when September 11th happened. And I remember um. riding my little bike up into the hills and be like, I want to do something and just feeling this like, ah, but nobody in my family had really. And I, everybody told me, oh, you're way too goofy to go into the military. So I just, did you followed. have any military in your family? I have an uncle who was a pilot in Vietnam, cool. one of the 13 and uh, a great uncle who was in the Korean war, but not actively like close knit in my family. It's I didn't funny how that. people react differently to tragedy. Yeah. Like some people are just like want to forget it. Some yeah. people want to take action. Some people want to run away and disappear. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting how that triggered like a fire inside you. Yeah, it definitely there was like a, definitely some sort of like, ah, I can only describe as that sound like oh, I just want to nah. do something. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's great. <laughs> great feeling that I had. Uh, but I didn't know what to do. So I just continued on to college. And by the time I had one semester left, I had a shitty GPA and I thought, this is a crossroads. You can either graduate next semester with a communications degree, the lowest GPA ever, like barely squeaking <laughs> by and go into your cubicle farm or. But you were fun. I was. Oh, my God. Yeah. I mean, so I don't like to brag. 4.0 for fun. Yeah. 4.0 on fun. 1.8 uh, education wise with smarts. But I knew that it was definitely a crossroads. I thought you're either going to continue this path of mediocrity and be disappointed in yourself or you can take that leap and do that thing that's been in the back of your mind since September 11th happened. So I went home on Christmas break before my final semester, and I just walked right into a recruiting station. Didn't think twice. I'm a very instant gratification person. Once mm -hmm. I make up my mind to do it, I mm -hmm. walked in. I was like, excuse me, can you please sign me up for the Marine Corps? So Was there any fear? I don't think so. I don't think I was... I don't think I understood the full scope of things because I was an idiot. Like, like, like I had a one point GPA. I was like, this looks fun. Yeah, I'm a drunk rugby player with like a, a shamrock tramp stamp and a lip round. Like, yeah, oh, this will be fine. So I don't think I like fully understood. I, and you're in the college bubble. You're not super close. Was this ROTC? No, this was like I went and signed up for just This is some me. real ass shit. Real ass shit. Because like, right. ROTC was like you're like practicing for it in college. Is that you... what that thing is? If you go ROTC in college, once you get out, then you go to a training. You become an officer. So you're mm. not going to be enlisted. There's like the two groups enlisted and officers. 
officers, they get their degree, and you can still become an officer if you don't do ROTC, but you're ahead of the game. If you do ROTC, okay. you're already a little ahead. Because we would have tennis practice. I played tennis in college. Yeah. And the ROTC guys would be like jogging, and I was like, I don't know what they're training for. Yeah. I hope there's not a war coming into Wisconsin anytime <laughs> yeah. soon. Yeah. <laughs> no, they definitely, they had their own like house. They were kind of like their own little frat yeah. in college. It's funny because uh, sports in college, as you know, you played rugby. It is like a war, but real wars have death. Yes. So like most people, their biggest fear in life is death. So that's why I feel like you signing up to put your life on the line is like so unique. Well, I had also been riding kegs downstairs and things like that. <laughs> so I wasn't that afraid of death. I, I think I was I like, guess when ah. you're young, death isn't like the forefront of your head. You kind of feel invincible. You feel so invincible. And when I signed up to, you're like, well, maybe I'll go to war. But the, like, the odds that I'll ever do anything like that. I mean, the military is so big or slim and... So were you doing it for you? Were you doing it for like, you wanted your family to be proud of you? You wanted to like brag to your, what was the real root of why you did it? I think ultimately I knew I could be better. I was a mess. I mean, I was like a gross, I had become like such not a great, I was not a good friend. Mm -hmm. I was not a good person. I was just like a drunk mess college idiot. Why? What were you suppressing? Ooh, that's a good question. I think I was really like sheltered my whole life. It was so vanilla that I needed to make my own excitement. So mm. I was the one on Monday night who's like, who's coming to the bar? Let's go. Let's fucking go. Because I had been so sheltered. That as you, soon did as you I got have out, any relationships in college? No. Got a lot of, <laughs> a lot of sex, though. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but you whisper, you're like, do you have <laughs> Earmuffs, everyone. I totally fucked. <laughs> yeah. No, but well, no relationships. You don't get a tramp stamp for nothing. No, you don't. With the stem point right down. But uh, yeah. oh, it's it's face. Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. I see. I visualize. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. Not colored or anything. Just straightforward. Straight oh. to the point. Is it black um, and white or oh, is it yeah. green? Oh, it's hideous. It's black and white. Oh, it's Celtic. How, how big is it? It's pretty big. <laughs> I got it at this place in Western PA called Big Mojo's like the day I turned 18. Uh, I was like, I'll take one of those, please, on my lower back. Yeah, it was. So I was trying to dig. I was like, is there something rooted in your past? And and you're just like, yo, I was bored. I was bored. Like, literally, I think that's where like a lot of I was just so bored. It's funny because people like need certain stimulants to be happy. Yeah, I think because I was playing tennis when I went into the normal work world, I was like, this is not enough. Right. And now I'm in like the TV world and I'm like, this is the high that I needed. (laughs) And people are like, are you a maniac? And I'm like, no, this is this. This is the high that i want that's where you that's my be. like normal yes and i feel like with you you might be similar to me but you were living in a world where there was no stimulants for you yeah and like listen my parents amazing people i had everything you could ever want like, but like boring no i'm just kidding but yeah like we never we were like average middle class my big vacation every year was the jersey shore never really left the tri-state area my entire life okay i had never been out west but you I were never aware of south. the world i was aware of the world but not i had never traveled like western pa was like a big deal it was like whoa you're going all the way to western pa man so i knew there was more out there i couldn't wait Long story short, I joined the Marines over Christmas break. Mm-hmm. Merry Christmas, Mom and Dad. Surprise. <laughs> what did they say? They were pissed. They were really pissed. Uh, I think their parents, you're like, oh, my God, our baby. Did you expect them to be proud and not pissed? I, th- I knew it was going to take them a minute because I had fucked up so royally at school and everything. And I was like, ugh. So I think I did it, too, because I knew they had worked so hard to put me in school. Yeah. That I also owed them, too. Like, I'm going to fix myself. I'm going to fix this. I'm going to be a better person. And I'm going to do the things that I know I'm capable of. 
But I knew I needed a good kick in the ass for sure. Mm. And what better of the branches to kick you hard in the ass than the Marines? So I just went, I was like, all right. Those are those cool commercials where it's like the guys in white and they're yeah. like, join the Marines. <laughs> and you're like, ah! And then you're like, he's kind of hot. I'm going to kill a dragon <laughs> with a sword and then do that guy. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's like the vibe that, that it was. It's funny because so. growing up in Brooklyn and experiencing 9-11 mm-hmm. when I was in fifth grade, like firsthand, I was full of so much fear. Like I would have nightmares that like terrorists would just break into my house. And yeah. like I was full of so much fear, but it's interesting how like you growing up in a slightly different environment was full of like hope and excitement and like I want to do something. Yeah. And like it's cuz of people like you that make us feel safe. <sighs> well, looking at me, <laughs> that might be scary to anyone who's seen me, but yeah, no. I... So you joined the Marines. Yep, joined, shipped off like it was like a month or so later i was gone they actually had to cut i didn't realize like how serious boot camp and stuff was either i tried to go with the belly button ring they like cut it off with a pair of clamps before i left the meps thing they're like oh my god what do you think you're getting into so i had no idea and it's in the middle of the night your head's down on your lap you pull up to paris island all of a sudden they swarm on you they're like like spit streaming out of their mouths onto your face as you get out and stand on the yellow footprints and it was like oh shit this is real and I'm not going anywhere. Were so, you, did you regret it or were you like, okay? I was like, okay. I knew there was not a doubt in my mind I wasn't going to finish and do well. Like I knew it's a game. Suck it up. You'll get through it. There's a song, you know, Burning a Hell podcast. This is a country song. If you're going through hell, keep on. Anyway, that's terrible. Yeah, yeah. But that, little no, song, like that little song kept on playing in my head the whole time. I was like, just keep on moving. Going through hell, just keep moving. And so... Yeah, that is actually whatever. one of the best pieces of advice that like, yeah. if you stay, you're going to get burnt. You're going to stay But if you there. keep running, you'll, you'll get through somewhere. You get past it. Right. Keep moving. Keep doing your thing. I did a podcast recently about course correction. Mm-hmm. And they I think like Tony Robbins said something like doors will be opening. But like if the once an opportunity opens, you got to go that moment or you'll be like pushed back. Right. And it's almost like when 9-11 happened, you felt it. And there was like a an opportunity for you but you were like i'm not ready yeah and then right before your senior year the door opened and you jumped jumped i had to yeah i can't think of i think if i had hesitated if i had waited who knows what would have happened but yeah i just knew you when might you have be it, sitting you know. at a desk or like working at a wawa in philly yeah i could very well no Yay, offense to smooth, people <laughs> smooth, dude you want to pack squares man so yeah i mean i'd be crushing it for sure but i know at one point i was like i'm gonna leave school and work at the pepperidge farm factory doing cookies well thank god I was yum like, i know that would have been great i mean i would have been cooler than the brains, <laughs> honestly so you get but, there you're getting yelled at you know yeah. that you signed up for some crazy shit but you're mentally prepared Mentally prepared. And once you get into the swing of things and you realize that it is like a big mental game, then you once you figure that out and you get the whole teamwork thing down, it's really not that hard. There's challenges, but you can do it. I slept like a baby every night because you don't have to think for yourself. They everything is being told to you. You don't have to make any decisions at all. You just have to listen. You just have to listen. And to me, I'm like, they always say, like, I I hate to say, it, but like I'm a fault. Give me instructions. I'll nail it. Tell me to do things on my own initiative. Who knows what wacky shit you're going to get? I don't know. You get a tattoo on your ass. Yeah. You get a ta- so I thrived in that environment. I really, I did well. I really loved it. What was it like being a woman in training? So once How many other you, women were there? The first, when I went to like my job school, that was the first time because it's still, the Marine Corps is still segregated when it comes to boot camp. They're changing it slowly but surely. Uh-huh. So that was all women. And then it completely flipped where I think out of like 98 guys, there was only two women <gasps> at my next 
yeah, the next thing, my school training. And that also, to me, was a good thing because, one, I felt hot as shit. Oh, like, my God. All you, you got. You must have just been, like, felt like yeah. you're walking in slow motion always. Yeah. Like, as you walk by, as you're, like, doing some, like, whatever <laughs> crawl thing they make you do, you're like, yeah, boys. Yep. You, haven't seen, you haven't seen a vagina in weeks. <laughs> hot stuff. Also, it was so motivating to me because I wanted to be better than them. And I knew so many of them didn't think that I should be there mm. that it just was like, oh, oh. well, then I'm going to kick your ass. Like, oh. Yeah, it was like the most motivating. I think I accomplished things that otherwise I probably couldn't have without the motivation of wanting them to feel stupid, which is really sad. But I remember we have to get sprayed by this OC spray. It's like the military grade strongest possible pepper spray that you can get sprayed with. And they stand about as far apart as we are, what, like four feet. And they say, how many fingers am I holding up? And when you open your eyes to tell them how many... That's when they spray you like three times across, like just right above your eyes. So it drips down. And once they do that, you have to run through an obstacle course and do a couple takedowns and stuff like that. So they were like, Mannion, front of the line. Because it was either I was either going to look like an idiot in front of all the men mm -hmm. or I was going to crush how it. It's done. And they knew that they couldn't if they saw a lady do it. Like, of course, they'll do it. So, so they the officers used you as motivation for everyone. Yeah. Yeah, and I did. I had snot. It like gets your mucus glands going. I had snot from my nose. I'm tall. I'm like five foot nine, all the way down. It was like dragging on the ground, still attached <laughs> to my nose. And I was like, oh, God, it's Marine Corps. <laughs> and you just like, you know, and you get through it. How bad is pepper spray? The fucking worst. Afterwards, can we cuss on here? Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. It's the fucking worst. I uh, afterwards they just have you walk in circles on a basketball court until you can all finally like. That's all you can do. Just walk in circles, walk in circles, walk when in circles. When did your comedy brain insert itself during that? I think even in boot camp. I remember at the end of boot camp, I wrote a poem for the drill instructors. It was just like a wacky, funny thing of all the things that happened. They were like, oh, devil dog, that's good. That's silly. And I was like, oh, yeah. Devil dog. Yeah. And like even in the dorms at IUP when I was sucking at life, I would write a newspaper for our floor in Wallace Hall that was like, here's the crazy shit that happened this week, everybody, that I put on, like, around the halls. And people loved it. So, like, I always like doing that kind of shit. You have to laugh sometimes when you're in such horrible situations. Oh, yeah. Like, 7 a.m. running because, like, one girl was late yesterday, so now we're running three miles. And, yeah. like, you gotta laugh at it sometimes. Even if the coach is getting mad at you, it's like, would you rather me cry? Right. And I feel like sometimes my personality would come out, but it was overall suppressed slightly. Yeah. Because they don't you're they're not, like, cheering you on for being funny. It's just a side thing. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy that, like, our next career being funny is actually, like, appreciated and yes. glorified before yes. it was just like a side thing like by the way she writes <laughs> funny poems too <laughs> yeah not going on your fit rep that will not help you get promoted in no. any way or move ahead the military has such a sick dark sense of humor you have to but it's the same thing like oh, you I said bet. when you're all getting in trouble when you're all getting fucked over yeah you have to laugh at it or else you'll just be so miserable oh so yeah. everything is funny like you can find humor in the darkest worst situation and you're so. you are like a team so it's not like you're alone doing shit like you could look at one person and be like god damn it and yeah. like get find humanity in someone else yes so what's the next step in this journey so finally get out of the marines i move to new york so small caveat when i was 24 and between deployments i mm -hmm. deployed to afghanistan twice okay so wait you go, you went to afghanistan yes what the fuck happened there so the first deployment I was on, it was called a female engagement team. And because our men, our whole, the whole plan in Afghanistan was coined counterinsurgency, which is to build up the infrastructure 
and the government strong enough that terrorism can't thrive there anymore. Okay. Because the government and stuff was so weak that terrorism was able to just take over and yeah. build the camps that allowed things like 9-11 to happen, blah, yes. blah. So the goal was to build up the infrastructure. So that meant having Marines in every little nook and cranny, even way out in the boonies, to help build up the roads, the schools, the this, the that. So, so you were like working with Afghanistan's infrastructure. Yes. And so infantry battalions were out doing that. At the same time, there's still so many, uh, I'll just call them bad guys out there, <laughs> that there was a lot of fighting. And so I got sent to Marja, Afghanistan in 2010, which at the time was probably one of the top five like most volatile areas. Were you scared? Not, like, oddly enough, not, not really. I think... Every time you left the wire, it was like a very real possibility. But after a couple of times, you're just like, the first time I left the wire, I was like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then after a while, you're just like, well, here I go. Um, but so the guys couldn't, it's all men in the infantry. They yeah. couldn't talk to the women. And that's half the population you're missing out on if you're trying to help build up the local whatever. So schools, um, hygiene stuff to help oh, with health and so medicine. So you were connecting and, with the women of Afghanistan. Right. So my, it was me and one other woman with this infantry battalion and our job was to go around the village and we had like medical outreach. We did, um, we would have meetings with the women and bring them stuff and we sent out sewing machines and did a ton of searches because the guys pictured they're wearing the full body burqas. They could, it could be a Mrs. Doubtfire situation. You don't know who oh, you've got yeah. under there. So we did a ton of searches at vehicle checkpoints. Is there anything you'd want people listening to know about women in Afghanistan that they might not know? Before I went, I had the idea in my head of all that I had seen on the news. Yep. And honestly, I was like, everyone there is bad. It flipped on its head so hard when I got there. And I have so much sympathy and empathy for these people who are stuck in the middle. The one person described it who lives there was like, we're like a soccer ball. The Taliban kicks us this way. So we do what they say because we don't want our family to die. And then you guys come in and kick us the other way because we don't want our family to die. And like we're just mm. stuck in between. And you would go into their homes knowing they're stuck in this situation and in this war-torn country that it's been war-torn since like the 70s pretty much. And they're Russia powerless. There. They're powerless. And they would have nothing. They'd have all these kids with no shoes on their feet with like flies all over them. And they would give you tea. They would dump their whole thing, like their last sugar for the month into your tea so that you could have their finest things and serve you their finest glass. Like even though they had nothing, they gave you everything. Their hospitality is so unmatched. Like it's crazy. So people with no electricity, running water, there was none of that there. And they were so kind. Um, also, a couple of times our guys would be up front having like a shura, having a meeting with the men. So it would just be me and my partner in the back with the ladies. All of a sudden, they knew there, all the guys were up front. The burkas would come off. The cell phones would come out. They'd put music on their little cell phones. They had cigarettes. They were dancing. They were, like, fucking cool. Yeah. And they, oh, I have a couple of pictures. They had makeup and stuff. And they oh, loved. they love makeup. They loved putting makeup on me. They would always point at my wrist because I'm so pale. Like, and so then I'd come out, and we'd have to patrol back through this, like, dangerous area. And I'd have, like, Mimi from the Drew Carey show, like, blue eyeshadow with cheeks on. And I'm like, I am so sorry, guys. But I couldn't say no. But, yeah, no, just I. I loved the women there. So did you like when you had to go to Afghanistan as opposed to when you were like training? Yes, because that's when you're in, you're drinking the Kool-Aid, you want to go. You yeah. want to because that's what you have, signed up for. Yeah, they're like, all right, raise your hands if you've been over there before and you're sitting there without raising your hand. You're like, oh, man, it's, I can't wait till I can raise my hand, too, and say I went. I did this. So, yeah, no, definitely wanted to go. And it's so you did it two or three times. Did it twice. Uh, well, before the first one fell madly in love madly madly crazy in love love of my life in love with another marine of course it's in like training sh shooting a fish in, in a barrel for a lady you're like the yeah. only woman but 
fell like head over heels on this guy. First deployment, we decide to wait to get married. We're like, let's see how this first deployment goes. Because who knows? He was sent away to a dangerous area too around the same time as me. And we had no contact besides Talk snail mail. Talk about drama. Like I'm talking to my friend and she's like, oh my God, like he has this new job and he says he's going to be really busy. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, he's getting sent to like a really violent yeah, <laughs> war-torn like, country. <laughs> it was the day we said goodbye that first time because we both knew we were going to like really rough places. Like I really thought... That we might not. It was like the worst day of my life. Oh my god, still, I'm tearing up. We're not together. Like I'll maybe get into that, but yeah. And I still like every time I think about that moment it was probably the hardest moment of my life so far. I think maybe. Well, you're learning five. about you're learning about love. You're learning about kind of not taking things for granted. Yeah, and your whole perspective of life must have changed from this. It totally did and we wrote and then you know we wrote each other letters every day did you send like, him posters of yourself with your tramp stamp for him to put up actually once we got people would send us polaroid cameras because the kids in afghanistan never get to see themselves oh, yeah. they don't really have a ton so we would take polaroids of them and they loved getting to have a picture of themselves is huge so one time Do they not have mirrors over there they sometimes but it's like not that common especially no electricity no nothing like they oh, the imagine bear, america but, with no mirrors that would be amazing it would be fantastic <laughs> But they, somebody had sent Polaroids, so I took a Polaroid of my tits and then mailed it to him. I'm like, here you go. Ha-ha. So yeah, that was, <laughs> that was like <laughs> sexting 101. And I would like sext in letters sometimes like, ooh. Wait, so why like did it end? Do you have to tell me? Well, so get back from the first appointment. It was the, he comes home. It was the best. We get married in between. Oh my God. And we know, yeah, I got married at age 24 and that's some like intense love happening and in the military it's so common so many people get married young because it's so intense that you feel like it's the you're only like thing. i never want to let go to you yeah and yeah. you like swear nobody can tell you otherwise you know that that's the one and like it's you're so fighting dramatic. for the country and for his love yes and we knew we were both deploying again so it was like if we don't now you know whatever so we get married was he the kind of guy you thought you'd marry no he was so much hotter than me <laughs> I was always like, how the fuck did I pull this off? Oh, my God. But personality-wise, did you like him? Loved. He was like, per, like exactly. Okay, what happened? You're going to break my heart. What happened? I know. So second deployment comes and goes. And I should mention during each of these deployments, um, we each had a couple moments where we lost people that we were super close to. Like a couple of Marine buddies got killed. And I think that affected us both in very different ways. He was like big, tough guy, silent mm -hmm. type. Very funny. Best Marine ever. Um, and then second deployment came and we both lost a really good friend right at the end of that one. And then was it from just like warfare? Yeah. He our um he the guy that I wear these little bracelets, he got like a few weeks before we went home, a sniper got hit by a sniper. And so yeah, an only child um was engaged to be married when he got home kind of thing. Damn. And it just like, uh I know it affected us in, in different ways. Mm -hmm. But we got home decided to get out of the military and move back to New York. Where Why? He's from. I knew for me, it was always, I, I just need to do this and do and my time. And you felt fulfilled. And I felt fulfilled. I knew for me, it wasn't a life thing. He had a more difficult time deciding, ultimately decided to get out too. Um, his dream was to, to come back to New York City where he's from. Okay. So I followed him here. We were married, followed him here, finished school at Fordham. Did you have an identity moment where you were like, who am I since you're not a Marine anymore? Or you still feel like a Marine always? You definitely, it changes so much. Like when I first got out, 
I was still so like, I was easily like that triggered veteran who was like, whoa, dude, it's like Marine with a capital M. Like I was that annoying fucking Marine that mm -hmm. like now I'm like, who the hell was that? Ignore all the annoying veterans on your timeline. Maybe they're getting over something. I don't know. It's what but, do you uh, think they're getting over? <laughs> yeah, you're in such a massive bubble that like reality, everyone else's reality is so far from yours that you're. How was your mental health after from seeing like friends pass away and being in that intense environment? Yeah, it was really rough and his was too, but he was really good. He was going to school in the city and I was going to a different school. I went to Fordham. Um, we were living in the Bronx. Studying what? Communications. Hey! <laughs> and that's when there had been like small signs when we were in. But once we got out, I realized that it was his drinking was not a phase. And mm. I think now that there wasn't the structure of the Marine Corps anymore, was it and a problem beforehand for him or it, it kind of escalated after? Hindsight's twenty twenty, but it was one of those things when we were in, I'm like, oh, it's the boys club. He didn't go to college like I did. He never got it out of his system. And it was so few and far and between. And you're fun. I mean, you're with the Marines. We did crazy, stupid shit when we were in on the weekends and stuff like that. Everybody did. So it wasn't that crazy. But when it continued and got way worse once we got back to New York, it just got worse and worse and worse. So were you drinking? I was, but not to the extent to that extent. And he was also like bartending at the time and all that um, stuff. So it just, you know, that lifestyle. Just, oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, and bars here are open to. Were like, you guys aware that you were possibly dealing with any mental health issues? No, I think we were both completely like not us. Did nope. they not warn you in when you like say I'm done? Is there not like a something that helps people transition or at least say like hey you might want to look into these organizations because i know they're like heal our heroes and stuff and the headstrong project the headstrong is great project that no you're connected to. i had no idea and um, that's so even like as an athlete they like kind of warn you they're like yeah you might deal with some like identity problems after yeah. or like you might feel withdrawal symptoms mm -hmm. they don't fully prepare you for like when i quit tennis yeah Ooh. it's uh, it's like they so they give you like a week-long class on your way out okay. where they was like, here's all the resources, but it's so much. You walk out with a giant binder and you're like, oh my God, everyone just wants to and get you, it over with. You, yeah. And you also think it's just like a stereotype of a Marine and you're yeah. like, I'm not a stereotype. Yeah. Nobody wants to be like labeled that way. And especially me, it's easier. But again, you have guys like him who are like the big tough guys who, yeah. you know, they just kind of hold and it in. And he's fun. And he's fun. So much fun. So slowly as things were working out for me professionally, I got the John Stewart at the Daily Show and he was still there, did a veteran immersion program. So I was I going there once a week and Look that was you. amazing. That's when I was like, I got to do How are your parents feeling right now about you? Right now? Like at that moment, you got the the Daily Show and like program. Oh, yeah. They're they're liking you. Are you Thrilled. feeling like that fulfillment that you wanted of not just being a normal Nancy? Yes. And when I finished school, so I graduated Fordham with like a three point eight nine. So like I had yeah, fixed, bitch. yeah, I yeah, fixed bitch. it. It was still communications, but I fixed it. Yeah. And it was like, look, see, I, I knew I could do it all along. I, I fixed it. Here it is, by the way. Here's that. And was everything back. easier after <laughs> like getting your ass kicked? Yes. I couldn't wait to go to school the second time around. Like I was a new Aww. person pretty much. Like everything I was excited to learn. I had a goal thanks to the daily show i knew i wanted to be a media and comedy somehow some way so after that uh i got a job at comedy central in the production department bottom of the totem pole yeah like just an assistant but it was great because now i was really getting to see how things worked and everything uh -huh. from the back end while i was doing stand-up at night so all this good stuff was happening professionally but at home like my life was falling apart yeah because everything that was going on so i would get done work 
And I would just walk the streets in my little Payless flats for like miles because I didn't know what to do. I like didn't want to go home. Because he was probably drunk? Yeah. And I didn't like... Was he an angry drunk? Not... It wasn't so much that. It was knowing that he wasn't going to come home that night. Oh. Yeah. It was that kind of thing. Uh, and it's so funny because he's so hot. He's so amazing. Yes. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how hot or amazing someone is if they don't have their mental health together. Right. It was like having being married to two different people. Yeah. And more and more the the other person was coming out. And my I was so heartbroken because I didn't know how to fix it. And coming from like a big Irish Catholic family, you like bury it deep down. You don't so it's like you don't tell your family <laughs> and about divorce that. is not like a thing not that Catholic option. people want to do. Yeah. It's like and in our family it wasn't really a thing. Nobody got divorced kind of thing. And, and everyone drinks in everyone drinks. <laughs> Irish Catholic family. Right. Everybody's drinking. Everybody's no, doing no that No one stuff. has a problem. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> None of us who have problems have problems. But and you don't talk to your, you don't tell your parents about your spouse because that's just not something you do. And so I was kind of very isolated up here. Oh, that sucks to not be able to talk to someone. Yeah. And I didn't know about the Headstrong Project or anything like that. And it got worse and worse and worse to the point where one day I just called my boss in. I was like, I, I quit. I quit my job because I felt like all I was doing all day long was thinking about him and like how it was falling apart and how I wanted to like save him and do something. And maybe I just need to like get a job closer to home and doing try whatever harder and just to try save harder. Him. I need to try This was harder. your Comedy Central job? Yeah. And so I quit. And next thing you know, I'm interviewing at like a ramp company mm-hmm. <laughs> nearby the apartment so I can be closer and like have better hours and whatever and everything just. But I was in such a dark place. How old were you? I was... Probably, I was almost 30. I think I was maybe 28. Wow. I was older at this point. We, yeah, we're married for five years when this was all like the final like year. It was really falling apart. And I like, I still love him so much that Mm -hmm. I did not want it to end. I was whatever. So I was willing to give up like, not what it sounds, I was willing to give up everything. But I was, I I would have rather have had that work out than like my dreams at the time. Well, that was part of your dream. It was. Is having a family with the man you love husband yeah it's part of my dream yeah abs that's my dream abs. being a five with a 10 man that was the dream and i was living it but yeah so i didn't want to let go i knew i'd never get another well you merged together so you become just an eight I, we became the hottest eight in town and we were so good but yeah so, so long you're in story a dark short, place i was in such a dark place and that's um finally called the headstrong project because i saw it on twitter i was in such a dark place that like not to get super dark but i was like thinking about ending my life at that point because i couldn't see a future it's crazy looking back now it's i sound like a crazy person but i couldn't see a future without him in it and i couldn't see me ever being successful without him by my side wow. and, and i felt like no no success would ever feel good without him by my side like being there because oh i was like so in love i know it sounds crazy it is crazy i guess but you but, were in love with the person that almost like died yeah like and he wasn't the, there anymore it i swear it sounds so corny but like when i we finally got divorced um, I was like, it, I feel like a, a death has happened. I felt like it took me, I still, it's been like two years now yeah. and I still, it hits me in waves, but I think I'm still mourning it. It still makes me sad. Oh yeah. But so yeah. your suicidal thoughts were due to like your husband, like trying to cope with his PTSD, maybe with drinking, just feeling like I was letting him down. Like I felt like I was watching him drown and I couldn't, and couldn't get him. Cause you're his partner. Yeah. It's like you're his marine partner and you're supposed to be saving him. Yeah. And I think, too, like he was the only person who knew you go through a lot of intense stuff when you're in the military. 
like he was my person that knew everything I had been through. Yeah. And I was like, I can't lose that. That's my main support person. Yeah. On the it's planet. like when you have a therapist and you've told them everything and then you get a new <laughs> therapist. You're like, oh, I can't tell you everything from the beginning again. Right. Yeah. It's like, oh, my God. But yeah, eventually, you know, life so goes on. And you talked to the Headstrong Project and what did they do? They, within 24 hours, which was huge. This was at a point where like I was legit, like I had the spot. I had like a, it written out, like I knew what bus to take to get where I wanted to go to do what I needed to do. It was, it was like pretty well thought out. You mean out. to kill yourself? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Can you tell me how you're going to do it? I was going to jump off the George Washington Bridge. Why? It's pretty dark. Why? Why? Because I felt like it had the drama and flair that I <laughs> we're so sick of that. I, <laughs> I can just hear the cars honking like come on bitch either jump or get back in your <laughs> Such car a New York yeah, situation. Yeah. Like, I'm walking here I'm trying to jump yeah. off the bridge I'm walking yeah so I have the drama and the flair also pretty irreversible I like it's you know there's no you're not gonna survive that for sure no. um and and quick quick and he and, was not someone you could talk to during this no, he was so in it. He was having so much trouble of his own that there, it wouldn't have. Yeah, there was nothing he could have done for me. You lost, you lost the love of your life. Yeah. So you headstrong project within twenty four hours. Yeah. So I called them one day. I was like standing over here down by the Hudson River. I was like going for a walk, and I called them. And within twenty four hours, I was sitting there talking to somebody. And every week after that, and then that is what helped me start moving forward. It got those ideas out of my head because I was not thinking clearly. When you're no. thinking like that, you're, you're spiraling. I was not with reality at all. So they helped get me back on the, my feet back on the ground. I was seeing reality again. And they also, they never pushed me or told me to do anything. But I think it also gave me the strength to say, this is so toxic. It's such a cliche. It's so toxic. But this is mm -hmm. so toxic that I can't stay anymore. I, I need to leave. Mm -hmm. So packed up my little Honda CRV in the middle of the night one night and and I left and I moved back home, lived in my aunt's basement, mm -hmm. got a job. I was working in concessions at the 76ers. And the, so I went from working at Comedy Central. Now I'm living in my aunt's basement, like selling cheese cups and popcorn. But and, you weren't suicidal anymore? Nope, not anymore. And it was still awful. It was still a ton of ugly crying. Don't get me wrong. Oh, yeah. The ugliest But crying. crying is good. It means you're at least like getting some stuff out. You're not suppressing. Like, you know, you're at your rock bottom and you're experiencing it. Yes. Yeah. Because so, you know when you're like walking around pretending everything's okay, but inside you're, you're like, dying. You're dying. Yeah, you're like, it's better at least inside. be like, I'm at rock bottom. Because it's only up after you ugly cry. It is only up after. And it's great for burning calories and all that jazz. Oh, yeah. But yeah, no. So, so bring me surely. back up. Bring me back I'm, up. Come bring me back I'm so sorry. I'm like, <laughs> let me make everyone depressed. No, no, hell. no. We're, we're, we're at hell right now. And it's, it's yeah. definitely, I could feel the flames. But how yes. do we get out of it? Here's how we get out. First was finally telling my family everything that was going on. My parents had just sold their house and to move into a little 55 and up apartment. And they were all excited. Oh. They were on a trip. They had no idea any of this was going on in my life. And mm -hmm. I called them. I was like, I'm in your driveway with a car full of shit. And they're like, what? Huh? <laughs> oh, my God. They were like flabbergasted. So first, my family, I was like so embarrassed and so ashamed. My family, huge just for like, here's our wing, you're under it. Everybody was so good to me. My family lifted me up. Being open and honest with everybody to let them know what was going on was the first biggest thing, getting over the embarrassment and getting like realizing everybody has their own it's shit. It's not embarrassing. They just I, want you, you don't to even be okay. know the kind of fucked up shit people are dealing with. Right, yes. And they just love you and they want you to be okay. That's literally all they care about, whatever. That was the first step. Everybody surrounded the wagons and like helped me out. They got me a place to stay. Um, my uncle helped connect me with somebody who got me the concessions job, mm -hmm. even though it wasn't what I wanted to be doing. They said, it's going to keep you busy. 
take this job. Yeah. Just be busy right now. Yeah. That was the other thing, just keeping occupied. So it was long hours on my feet, on the move, low pay, whatever. But it, but it was a mental move. choice. So you're yeah. not home alone, crying, right. ugly crying. So I had support now. I had something to do and keep me occupied. And then they also made sure that I continued to go to therapy. So I checked in at the Philly VA. Amazing. And I found myself a therapist that worked. I think that's the thing, too. Like, at first, like the first few just didn't do it for me. Keep looking. That's a, okay. It's a process. It's almost like dating. Yeah. And you have to find someone that you feel yourself around. And yeah. You feel open and you feel understand you. And some people just their vibe might not make you feel the most comfortable. And that's okay. Right. But it starts with being honest with yourself to be selfish for what you want to get better. Yes. So just finding that and knowing it's not an instant. I'm an instant gratification person. So you want to be yeah. better right now. It yeah. just takes time. Like it's still something I'm working on. Yeah. And one day you're just going to be like, Oh, I didn't think any negative thoughts yesterday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. It's not something that you can like actively push and force. Right. Your brain is malleable and changing and like you can't just click a button. Right. No. <laughs> to make it shut up. It's always a process. And then like slowly but surely once those things fell into place, I started writing again and I started doing comedy writing for it's called the Duffel Blog, but it's like a military version of the onion. Cool. And that then I had a little friend group within that who's who's, you know, always supporting me. And then somebody at Barstool started reading my tweets. I was like, I'll just try and make my Twitter as funny as I can. I'll try and write as often as I can. And, you know, I'll still be doing this concessions job, but who knows? Yeah, I heard there's some viral tweet in the story. Mm -hmm. A vagina calzone. The one Please day, tell yeah. me what it is. I'm so excited. The one day I was on a lunch break and I went and got a calzone and it came out exactly like a vagina it was like a foot long with a big old hole in the middle with a pepperoni right on top of like cheese oozing out of it and i was like oh my god this looks so i tweeted it it was obviously this vagina calzone and somebody at barstool of course does a blog every time there's like a tree or a carrot or something that looks like genitals they, they write about it so of people course. started tagging him because he was also in the marines it turns out small oh. world so our through our veteran twitter community they're like chaps you got to see this you got to see this. this this other marine has a vagina calzone so he slid in my DMs and he was like, do you mind if I write about your vagina calzone? I said, by all means. He had me on his podcast afterwards because Zero Blog 30, the military podcast. Afterwards, I said, hey, I noticed you guys need help with your social media. Can I do that for you? And he has been like my number one. Well, he's the guy you have the serious show with, right? Yes. High haters. High haters. And he ended up after doing that for a little bit. He vouched for me so hard. Dave Portnoy, who's the head of Barstool had never heard of me. Nobody had heard of me. No. I didn't have anything published besides this military satire site. I had nothing to stand How on. How was your Twitter following? I had like 4,000 followers, okay. tops. Okay. But, but a I good vagina calzone. But a great vagina calzone. So I had no following. I brought nothing to the table. I went to the interview. Dave was like, so what's your deal? What's your background in sports? I was like, none. What's your this? None. What's your that? None. Well, Chap says you're good though, so you're good. And hired me with... <laughs> full benefit everything and so it turned my whole life around and that was from just if you're going through hell just keep moving being stagnant and doing the same thing and dragging my feet home every night feeling a sense of dread for almost two years did nothing for me it, it didn't do anything for and also me. if you were sitting at home you would have never gone and ordered the vagina calzone, calzone. it's funny yeah. how like even with creativity mm -hmm. it's like if you're in a block same how you are mentally in a block when you're depressed. Yeah. Keep moving and like you'll have a conversation that inspires you. You'll see something on the subway that inspires oh, yeah. you. Like as long as you keep moving, the universe is throwing shit at you all the time, but it's your mind that can block shit off. Mm -hmm. And I just love how like you always kept your head up and kept connecting 
in authentic ways with people, whether it's your family, other military people. And it's okay when things fall apart. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that helped was asking myself, what's funny about this? I can always stop and even in the worst moments, be like, all right, time out. What's funny about this? So even in the darkest moments, if you can still laugh a little bit, I went through a tiny phase there where nothing was funny and there yeah. was nothing funny about it. But eventually, like looking back now, I have like a whole notebook full of of jokes about it. Like there is funny shit about it. It's the human experience, man. It's a mess. So I think part of it is, yeah how can you laugh at stuff because if mm -hmm. you lost that if you lose that like perspective shit is boring and as yeah. we know boring is the worst it's true it's true <laughs> there's this like funny netflix documentary called memes or something and paris hilton said one of the greatest quotes she was like i just really don't want to die because i feel like it would be super boring <laughs> <laughs> so on that note we're gonna end with a final game Seven Deadly Sins. What are you greedy about? Greedy? Ooh, food. If there's like one brownie left on the table and some old lady is like walking over and I've already had one, I'll probably be like, excuse me. Is that wrong? <laughs> are you are you're at a party and you're like eating a shit ton of shrimp cocktail and then like you see people around and you have to pretend you never saw it. You're like, oh my god, shrimp cocktail! I didn't see this. I'm yes. just gonna taste one. What? Have you had one? I haven't. Oh my god, <laughs> that's my move. Yep. Who are you envious of? Ooh. Ugh, who am I envious of? People who are really good at adulting. People who <laughs> like have their shit together. And I'm like, oh yeah, I was supposed to send the rent out yesterday, right? Marie Kondo people. That's who I envy a little bit. Like, I wish I had a little more of that. I have all my envelopes of taxes in my bed right now. Yes. Just in my bed. Oh, like, I feel like thing maybe right it'll just like merge into my computer that's also in my bed because yep. that's where I do work sometimes. And I'm like, maybe if I just leave it there, it'll all figure itself out. Nope. It hasn't yet. I'll keep you guys posted though. <laughs> what are you gluttonous about? Oh, besides brownies. I said the brownie thing. Is attention a bad answer? It's a great <laughs> answer, actually. Like when I can make people laugh that I like just want more. I just, yeah. And so you're good at what you do. <laughs> when was the last time you experienced extreme wrath? Because you seem like a pretty lighthearted character. Yeah, it takes, it does take a lot. I, I have a little, my piece of shit car still. I have it out in Queens. When somebody's driving like an asshole around me, I feel like, they say people get like different in their cars. I become like a different. I've become Brooklyn Kate. I'm like, what are you? Get the fuck out! Of Wait, here. what's your like Philly thing that you yell at people? I'm gonna throw a hoagie at you. Probably, I yell this fucking guy. This fucking guy. I I put my hand up in like a little knife hand. I'm like this fucking guy, and then I applaud if somebody cuts me off, and then they're stuck at the light. I. Oh, I make sure I applaud real big so they can see me. I love the sarcastic yeah. applause. <laughs> I know, I get it. Oh, that's good. Passive yeah. aggressive. It's mm. great. When was the last time you were a sloth? Ooh, God, like, every day. Uh, but like, you were a fucking Marine. It's sad now. And I, I feel mean... like you were like partied hard and you worked hard. <laughs> that's our envision to you. You were like, we're doing a keg stand. We're going to crawl <laughs> under this ladder. Yes. Uh, the last time, though, every now and then I'll have that Sunday where I know I wake up and I say, you're not leaving bed. And I just some gross piece of shit. But also you're committing to it. So it's still it's like, OK. You're like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to live up to my expectation today. Yes. Mm -hmm. I love a day in bed. But two days in bed, you get stuck in your then thoughts. Yeah. Then, huh. One's enough. When was the last time you let your pride get in the way of something? Oh, God, all the time on Twitter. I <laughs> please tell time. me because you have how many followers do you have now on Twitter? Uh, I think almost 60,000, something like, yeah, like that. You're, you're beefy. 
And it blow it's, it's cause people at Barstool, once they start retweeting you, it just you you blow up and it's mm-hmm. like, oh, I didn't do anything, but I'll take it. That's pretty fun. But um I I get guys mansplaining my own jokes back to me sometimes oh. and I can't just let it go. Oh. I can't just it's the it's that Sunday where I'm laying in bed all day and so I'm on my phone too much and I'm like Cuz you have time to like put together the perfect response. <laughs> yeah. Now like you're not on the yeah. subway, you're like I have internet. Yep. 24 hours right now. <laughs> and I'm going to use it and I don't care if they don't have an avatar and that their name is at Boner Jam 69 472 389 With no followers. Yeah. I'm going to, yeah, with like two, and I'm going to clap back at him so fucking hard his head's going to spin. And then afterwards, Chaps will text me and be like, really? So you're doing today? I'm like, oh, yeah. Okay. That's sad. You're like, I'm just spreading love. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm just fighting the patriarchy. Yeah. I actually had a, a tweet that got the most hate ever recently. I wrote, if you're a guy and you text with an exclamation mark, I will never fuck you. <laughs> And a account retweeted it that has like a lot of male, like yeah. my my female followers were like, oh my god, this is sad too. And then my this account had people writing like, I will find your family and kill them all. And I was like, what? Like men oh hate god. being told that you would oh. want to fuck them. And also, then I wrote because I'm I had to. I oh. wrote in the comments, I'm like, sorry guys, I was just trying to help. And then like, <laughs> and also like 400 people liked the comment about killing my family, so that was annoying too. Oh, great. But then I have random messages from guys now that are like, oh my god, your exclamation mark tweet actually really helped me. I'm just saying, if you got it on a dating app, you yes. have a guy that says, hey, exclamation mark, how are you? Exclamation mark, question mark. And then you have a guy that just says, hey, what's up? Who would you respond to? Hey, what's up? It's true. It's, it's true. The exclamation point is the cargo short of punctuation she said it you heard it here first yes so instead of just hating on a tweet maybe you should see if it actually can help you when was the last time you lusted over someone Ooh, Ooh, all the time i i'm 32 now (laughs) 32 is kind of prime time it's kind of prime time yeah i was reading about it you're just (laughs) you're just lusty all day it's uh yeah your body's like i'm ready to do something it just says when was the last time i was lusty Oh, some, Vigo Mortensen. Somebody asked me the other day. Who, oh, my God. <sighs> he was so hot in Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Eastern Promises. Have you seen that one? No. The I love house. a blue eye. Ugh. I love blue eyes. Yeah. Vigo. But mm-hmm. he's in that, the letter, whatever. The green book the or green whatever book. it is. I haven't seen that, but Eastern Promises. He's like this Russian mafia guy covered in tats. And there's this bath scene where he's like fighting these guys in a bathhouse and his tail flies off and you're like, oh, oh, oh we go. So uh, somebody asked me the other day something about Lord of the... And it po- his thing popped up on the thing. I was like, oh yeah, Vigo. Vigo. It's such a hot yeah. name too. Like Vigo. Vigo. I'm mm. going to have dinner with Vigo. Ooh, I just like orgasm saying Vigo. Vigo. I know. <laughs> have you dated since the divorce? Finally. Yes. Took a long, long time. And then finally started seeing somebody... Uh, I'd say like a, a few months ago and then I panicked and I dumped them but then I was like wait that was silly and they were patient and awesome and like hey no worries we're not rushing into anything so yeah I'm kind of seeing somebody right now and they're so, so nice yeah they're like the nicest person they're so just good. to wrap this up because that was a kind of cute thing to end on <laughs> what advice would you give to people who are experiencing hell besides just to keep going in terms of someone who's actually like been suicidal, yeah. been heartbroken, had a divorce, and now you're kind of fucking killing the game. Whew. I hope. So. Hopefully, hopefully things continue the way they are. Uh, I would say I, I go to open mics and listen to comics and stuff like that and try and do my own sometimes. And I heard this comic recently 
who talked about a friend who took their own life. And he said, I just wish he was back so I could tell him, hang on, buddy. Don't worry, because you are going to die. <laughs> like, we are all going to die. You don't have to rush it. You don't it. have to rush it, man. It's coming for all of us. So, like, we do only have a certain amount of time, but there's always time to turn it around. If you had told me years ago that I would be where I'm at now, I never, ever would have believed you. I would have told you to go fuck yourself. I Thank God I held on. And life is so much better now. I'm in... It's I have chills. Like a different world. Hold on. It's Just like hold on. Because when you're not when you want to like leave the world, it's because you don't see hope or the future. Because you've made a plan that like it's only yeah. It's, it's like this. God laughs in your face when you make plans. Yeah. And like you literally, I couldn't plan that I was going to be on a TV show. No. To, like what the fuck? But like, I just kept going. Yep. And we're both keep going. Who knows where the hell we'll be tomorrow? Who knows? Don't give up hope. And seek help. And if it doesn't work the first time, keep seeping, seeking help until it does. And what organizations do you recommend for people who are, who know people who have gone through stuff with the military or with um, anything overseas? I would say getheadstrong.org, which is part of the Headstrong Project. So getheadstrong.org. Um, it is cost-free, stigma-free, no paperwork, literally none. And even if you're active duty, they'll take you secretly because... People are afraid if I go to seek mental help while I'm in, they'll take away my security clearance. I can't do my job anymore. My mm-hmm. unit will look at me dumb. Mm-hmm. They're in uh, cities all over the country and near bases. And within 24 hours, like I said, they'll get back to you and they will make sure that you're going to be on the path to be okay. So they care. They really do. And so many people care. So, yeah, that's a good one. That's amazing. So, guys, follow Kate Mannion. Is it Kate Barstool? Kate Barstool, yeah. At Kate Barstool on Instagram and Twitter. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Nailed it. That's Nailed it. it. Nailed like, it. Oh, I got nothing else. <laughs> and you also um, have to listen to her podcast, Zero Blog 30, and also Hi Haters on SiriusXM. Yes. Hannah, this has been awesome. And hopefully I'll see you at Caroline's on yes! Broadway. Oh, yeah. oh my show. God. My first live show. That's Caroline's. awesome. Caroline's. I'm definitely going to invite you. Please do. And I might have to get you on stage for a sec or two and um yeah, april 16th yeah. april 16th go to hannahbrenner.com get your tickets use the code b-e-r-n for 50 percent off bye guys bye <laughs> 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 <laughs>